The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. For those who don't know, there'll be a few emotional moments this morning. Um, a little over three weeks ago, I farewelled my dad. This week, I lost my son-in-law, and I fully expect any time in the days ahead to farewell my mum, but my testimony is to the goodness of God, and his love, and his grace, and I want to express on behalf of myself and my family our undying gratitude to God and to this family for your love and for your support. It's amazing how even in the toughest of circumstances, when they're laid before God, we can see God's hand. And God continues to speak. God is not silent in the hard times. On Thursday night, as I arrived to worship practice, Chris, you spoke at all. You walked up to me and said, I don't have words, but I have a hug. That's what God does for us. We don't need words in those moments. We just need to know his presence. And so this morning we're in the final verses of Genesis chapter 24. Now Isaac has come from Beer Lahawi Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out in the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Now you remember, you may remember the name of this place that Hagar gave this place its name. Back in Genesis 16, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. She was in a tough place at that moment and she saw the one who sees her. And as they approached, Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all that he had done, and Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. It's such a beautiful picture, such a beautiful end to a long journey. Abraham's servant has been on this journey to find the wife for Isaac that God had chosen. 
Back in Genesis 20, 20, uh, chapter 22, God had tested Abraham's faith by asking him to take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. And Abraham stepped out in obedience. And a few days later, Isaac is bound and laid out on the altar. And Abraham stands beside him, arm raised and knife in hand. And again, God speaks. And God says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And then the chapter ended with news coming to Abraham that his brother Nahor was the father of twelve and the grandfather of this beautiful young woman, Rebecca. As chapter 23 unfolded, it's the story of Sarah's death and the purchase of a field with a cave at the end where Sarah would be laid to rest. And then in Genesis 24, we've been following the story, the journey of Abraham's servant as he travelled north to Haran to find Rebecca and to bring her back as a wife for Isaac. Week one, the servant headed off on the journey. He arrived at a well outside of the town. He asked for a sign from God that his encounter would be the right encounter and he met this young woman. And God confirms that this is the chosen for Isaac. Week two, the servant was welcomed as a family and he recounts his journey to Rebecca's father, Bethuel, and her brother Laban. And then last week, Rebecca expresses her willingness to go with the servant back to Isaac and Bethuel and Laban send her on the way with their blessing. And all through this story, we've been so aware of God's hand on this journey. God's role in selecting the bride and confirming the success of the search and reassuring Rebecca and her family that this was indeed God's plan. God was in this. And so at every stage, the journey could be readily embraced. And now Isaac and Rebecca are united. And next week we'll read of the death of Abraham and the story of God in human history will continue through the next generation. As I reflected on the story on Monday before the passing of my son, as I reflected on this, on my son and all my, on the, reflected on the story, I wondered at the amazing interaction and intersection of God's leading in the story and man's participation. In doing so, I came face to face with one of the great debates of Protestant church history, the sovereignty of God. What does it really mean? And what does it really look like for God to be sovereign. It's the subject of a number of conversations I've had over the years and certainly in recent months. And it's one of the reasons I have such a personal distaste for what we call systematic theology. And why my oft-repeated statement is 
don't believe a word I say, go and look it up in the Bible for yourself because I am not to be your expert. The word of God is our sole source of truth. In my very humble opinion, I am convinced that conventional approaches to theology seek to do what God has failed to do, supposedly. You see, if you pick up a Bible and you read the story, God's given us this very long, involved, and complex story. At times, it's very concerning and very confusing. If you don't agree with me, you obviously haven't read particularly some of the Old Testament, but also some of the New Testament. Instead, we want to extract from it some theological and doctrinal positions that make living our life and faith simple and certain. However, I come back to a story and experience I had many, many years ago when I was at university of walking into a science lab and in the previous session they had dissected a rabbit and this rabbit laid pinned out on the dissection board. And as you looked at it, you could see every part of the rabbit. You understood what everything was. You could see where it was. You knew what it did. But the rabbit was dead. And so often we do that to the word of God. We take it apart. We unpack it. We, we try to make it look simple and clean and clear and tidy. And it's all there, but somehow it's dead. It's observable and it's understandable, but was its life gone? But it's dead. God instead could have given us a theology textbook if he wanted to. But he didn't. Instead, he gave us his word. He gave us his living word, his son, Jesus Christ and his written word, the Bible, and he gave us the best possible teacher, his Holy Spirit. Jesus said that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his, on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet, of what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what I have seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. It's complicated and it's messy, but it's alive and it's life-giving. You know, there are times in life when life is nice and simple and clean and tidy. The search for a certain beautiful young woman 
ending as a young man looks up and sees her arriving in the distance. And he brings her into his tent and he's comforted. Simple, clear, beautiful. The obvious hand of God leading. And sometimes life is like that. But many times it is just the opposite. We've seen times like that as we've gone through the Genesis story. Some of the Genesis story is extremely distressing. If you don't think so, you didn't, weren't here when we went through the flood story. It's confusing, it's distressing. But life can be like that. God has not given us a simplified, clear-cut theology textbook. The book he has given us is complex and messy, but alive and life-giving. And he has given us his Holy Spirit to walk with us and to talk with us through this book and through his Son and directly to our spirits. And the picture of Jesus isn't clean and clear and tidy. So often in the church we've got this very simple, clean and clear and tidy Jesus. And again, if you see Jesus as simple, clear and clean and tidy, you haven't read the story. You haven't wondered at this man who says that unless you hate mother and father on my sake, you're not worthy of being my disciple. Now we've unpacked what I think that means. But it's untidy, it's not simple. And you certainly haven't looked at Christ, the Son of God, crucified and gone, how's that? How does that work? But it's complicated and messy, but alive and life-giving. We're told that Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And I am so grateful that when life gets complicated and messy and hard, that this truth is life-giving. You know, as I said a few weeks back, this was my father's testimony and this will be mine. All my life you have been faithful. All my life, God, you have been so, so good. But that doesn't mean my life has always been easy. Many of you know my dad's story. Many of you have walked with me and mine and you know what our family's through at the moment. Life is not simple. And in seasons like this, in which life is complicated and messy, we don't need the cliched answers that theology would offer. I will never forget listening to the uh, message that Bill shared with me of a pastor saying that when he was about 12, his father died. 
and the pastor was told by his pastor, or the future pastor was told by his pastor, obviously God needed your father in heaven more than you did down here. Because that's what our theology says. God is sovereign. God is in control. God, is in, God made this happen. And this pastor said, even as a 12-year-old, I knew that that was... It's not true. There's a lot of stuff we don't understand. Life is complicated and messy and painful. But God is still sovereign. God is still faithful. The verse of scripture before that was mentioned, Michael. In all these things, God works for the good of those who love him. He is still sovereign. He will bring all things together for good. But that doesn't mean he causes the pain and the heartache. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come to give you life in all its fullness. We don't need cliched gospel. I've got so many friends who grew up on a cliched gospel and they're not living by any gospel. Because you know the cliched gospel will let you down. When my, we've mentioned recently again that my uh, wife's younger brother was just short of his 28th birthday when he passed away. And I remember talking to him ahead of that. He'd walked away from church. He'd walked away from faith. And he says, because when I was about 18 or 19, I had so many questions and nobody wanted to talk about them. You just need to believe this and this and this. And it's like, that doesn't answer story, the, the questions in life are messy and complicated and God wants to meet us in the midst of that. In fact, he promises as we've often said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a place before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's no time frame, as we've said earlier, on God's promises. But he is faithful and he is true. I don't need to have all the answers. In fact, many, many years ago, I used to think I knew a lot of the answers. I did really well at high school. And I thought having all the answers was important. I don't need any of the answers. I just need to know that no matter how messy and complicated this life becomes, God is there. God is with me. You know, often in our search for answers as a church, as the church, not just this church, we become so obsessed with what's going to happen in the end times or what happened before the beginning of time or so many things are so complicated we want to understand those things. But I love this verse. The secret things, the things that we're not told, they belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we might follow all the words of this law. Read the word. Obey what is clear. 
Sometimes you need to wrestle with what is hard to understand. You know the thing with wrestling? The more you wrestle, the stronger you get. And then just simply stand in awe of the Lord our God. When I was in Melbourne, I preached through the book of Romans. And in the early chapters of Romans, I find Paul wrestling back and forth with these often apparently conflicting truths. But he teaches, I believe, we hold these truths in tension because there is a creativity in the wrestling and a creativity and a life-giving in the truth. And then in Romans 11, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of God? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has given to our God? Or sorry, who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And I just see Paul throwing his hands up and say, Who can understand the mind of God? I don't need to understand God. I realized a long time ago that any God that I could understand is of no use to me. I need a God who is far above anything I could ask or imagine. I don't need to understand God. I just need to know him. I need to encounter him. I need to know his great power. And I need to know his great love. It's one thing to know that God is powerful. But until we know that God is love, then we're not sure whether that power is available for me when I need it. And so the psalmist prays, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my for you are God my Saviour and my hope is in you all day long. As we continue our journey, there are many things that Isaac is going to learn in his journey of faith. There are things that his dad has taught him. There are bad habits that he's picked up from his father. But he must learn to walk in his own faith, in his own relationship with God. And so must you and I. And we don't learn relationships through the communication of information. We learn relationship by spending time. And so I want to leave you with these words this morning from Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish that which I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God gave us his word to lead us and guide us both his written word and the living word his son and the gift that he left us was his Holy Spirit who will be with you no matter where you go as your guide and as your comforter. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Te Atatū. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.